The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. This episode is episode number 305. We are closing in on the end of our sixth year, and this is the first podcast of 2023. So we would like to not only wish you a happy new year, but also wish that this is the year that you or someone you love gets clean and sober. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a good review because that way when people Google podcasts on addiction or messages of help or hope, they'll find our podcast and that's the whole purpose here. Also, check us out on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Since 2020, we have been videoing all of our interviews and um, give a thumbs up to our videos there. Same reason, just so that people will find our podcast, because we are hoping that if one person listens to this podcast and gets help, then we have done well. Today, we have an interview with a lady named Judy Mandel, and Judy is a former reporter and marketing executive. After the death of her parents, she knew that it was time to write the story of her family, their emotional and physical survival of a devastating plane crash that killed her older sister and left the remaining sister critically, bur critically burned. Her first book, New York Times bestseller, Replacement Child, a memoir is that story. Her second book, and what we'll be talking about today, White Flag, was published in October 2022. White Flag is related to her first book, exploring the tentacles of transgenerational trauma stemming from the family tragedy, the plane crash in 1952. Within the context of her family history, Judy delved into the nature of addiction, trauma, and brain chemistry to seek answers to the questions every loved one of someone with substance abuse disease asked, asks, what happened? Why her? What could I have done to save her? So let's talk to Judy Mandel. Judy Mandel? Is it Mandel? Mandel. Mandel. Right. Thank Mandel. you so much for being willing to be on the podcast today and sharing your story. You have quite a story. Um, Touch a little bit on on the background of your family. Obviously, we want to talk about you know your niece and her addiction and some of your thoughts on how that came about. But there's there's a, there's a backstory that I want I want you to talk about because I think it's relevant. Sure, and you know that relates to um, my my first book, which is Replacement Child, and that book um, focuses on an accident that happened in 1952 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. It was actually a string of plane crashes that happened um, between um, 52 and 53 in um, a matter of like eight weeks. There were three crashes. This was the second of the crashes and it, it uh, crashed right into my family's home. It took off the top of the apartment building that they lived in um, and dumped jet fuel into my mother's kitchen. Oh. Everything was oh. ablaze. Um, and so my mother saved three people that day. She saved her mother who lived with her. She saved um, a girl who was visiting my other sister, Donna, uh, Donna who passed away in the fire and saved my sister, Linda, who was only two years old at the time, rolled her down the stairs, you know, to put out the flames and not to the front door. Um, 
And Linda is the daughter, I mean, Linda is the mother of Cheryl, who, um, you know, I write about in White Flag. Um, and in researching, um, you know, the the um, com complexities, really, of substance use disorder, transgenerational trauma, you know, popped out at me as, you know, certainly we have that in our family. <laughs> this yeah. was a trauma that, that you know, visits the whole family. Yeah. Um, and certainly Cheryl, you know, um, was the recipient of a lot of that. And too. so she was badly burned in the fire, correct? My uh, my sister Linda was badly burned. Linda, Linda, Linda right, is sorry. the mother of Cheryl, right? right? Yeah, badly yep. burned. She was in and out of hospitals really her whole life. Um, so she had a, she had a tough you know a tough struggle, and uh, you know you, you don't get away unaffected by that in the family. No, no because I would imagine um, that you you know she she needed to use painkillers as well. Linda did, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I don't know that she had an issue with painkillers, but I, I know that she used, she did have to use them for, you, you know, yeah, you would have to. Yeah. So what do you think, or, or when did Cheryl get started on drugs as far as you know? Very early in her early teens and um, maybe as early as 13, 14. Oh. I know she, she went to a rehab at that age. Oh my goodness. So it started, it started very early and you know, that's, that's what I found was, um, you know, one of the other complexities of this is brain chemistry. And the, the earlier that someone starts, the harder it is to reverse that brain chemistry. That's right. So that's, you know, that was, you know, against her <laughs> as well. Yep. You know, that was a, a tough part of it for her. Was her relationship with her mother okay? I mean... I thought they had a very good relationship. Um, okay. I know, you know, my sister um, tried everything she could think of to, to help her daughter. And um, at that time, we talked about tough love more than we talk about harm reduction and, you know, um, helping people where they are, which I'm hopeful that we start, we talk about that more now. It's, right. you know, and it's more available, you know, medically assisted treatment and counseling and uh, social services help. But, you know, so I know they did have a good relationship. And when, when Cheryl was well and not using, um, they were very close. They were very okay. close. Okay, so when you look at why you think she got started, is that kind of what led you to the whole transgenerational trauma? That, and I did discover there was uh, sexual abuse in her childhood from oh. a father, which um, is, you know, very in indicative of, uh, you know, going to substances. Yep. And so she was diagnosed with depression um, when she was in prison. Um, and wasn't treated for it for many years. So oh. it, it was uh, a lot of different um, pieces to this, really. And, um, and you know, if you don't find the underlying trauma, like the sexual abuse, mm -hmm. what's the point? I mean, you, you need to address what the drugs are trying to cover or what she's trying to cover or mask with the drugs. And, and I, I would, I would imagine if I had some, that sort of trauma in my childhood, want to mask it, get away from it. Do you know well, what I mean? It feeds, it feeds that sense of worthlessness. Yeah. Which I always, even as I was writing to Cheryl when she was in prison, you know, every letter, you know, said, you know, I don't deserve, you know, I'm not worth this, you know, and I tried to counter that, of course, with my letters and, you know, calling and, but there's only so much you can counter without, right. you know, real treatment. And, and she didn't get that. 
You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com, or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727 314 7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one hour consultation with Bobby. Right. So, so she did rehab when she was very young. And then did she, what, do you know what drugs she was on? Oh, she started, I think with crack. Oh my goodness. Um, But you know, toward the end, I think it was anything. Okay. I really do. You know, there was um, heroin and the, the, you know, she was in uh, Louisville, Kentucky at the time. And um, this last episode of her life. And it was a mixture of heroin and fentanyl which oh, wow. was, you know, very prevalent right then in, in uh, the end of 2016. This was right in January of 2017. So it was very prevalent. People were dying by in droves from that. Right. Okay. So she, she went to rehab and then she ended, when, how old was she when she ended up in prison? 40. 40. Okay. 40. I do believe that now that I, and I find out a little more every day, I have to tell you, because I'm now um, in contact with her sister, which we were not in contact while I was writing the book, um, that she had had done stints in jail before for various, various things related to drugs. Okay. Okay. And then what ultimately happened with Cheryl? Uh, Cheryl passed away in uh, 2017 of a drug overdose. Okay. Um, after uh, a couple of years out of jail. And um, yeah, that's what happened. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that that happened. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, I, I, I say that to, uh, you know, get that out of the way and not to say that there's no hope for people because there is. And there's much more hope now that I'm finding, you know, I'm in touch with some different organizations and there certainly is more on the horizon that is accessible to people. And, you know, though it takes work to to find it, um, I think the difference in attitude really changes towards people with substance use disorder and letting them know you love them and that they are worth help. Right. And I think just even getting listening to what they have to say and getting them to talk about what's happening with them, because obviously with Cheryl, if she had, you know, not if, but because she had sexual abuse when she was a child, I mean, that's heavy duty trauma, Mm -hmm. not even going into what her mother experienced as a baby, but that's heavy duty trauma. And if she doesn't feel like she can talk about it because 
you know, typically there's an aspect of that where you're not supposed to talk about it and you're threatened if you talk about it. It has to be hidden. You know, that, that, yeah, that's a, that's a tough You know, I talk one. about uh, another trauma in families is silence, you know, the, the trauma of silence. And I think that, you know, certainly even my, in my family growing up, we didn't talk about that accident. We talk, didn't talk about the problems my sister had with scarring. She was very badly scarred. We didn't talk. <laughs> and so we didn't talk about this either. Um, my sister never talked to me about it. Uh, you know, that's that was one of the, I have to say, one of the most hurtful things when I started researching that this was finding out I wasn't as close to my sister as I thought I was. Mm. You know, I, she didn't let me into this because she was, she was ashamed. That's it. Right. No. Now, Linda's not around anymore either? No, Linda? no. She passed away also in uh, uh, 2009. Okay. I, I'm sorry. And I think, you know, you bring up such a strong point that sometimes people just don't want to talk about things that are heavy or emotional. And it, it's a mistake. It may not be easy to talk about it. But I think if you don't, it, it doesn't get addressed. It just it yeah. doesn't get handled yeah. in any way, shape or form. And when you have a horrific trauma like Linda experienced, and I get that she might not want to talk about it, but it's important to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it, you know, it's, it festers. If you, if you don't talk about it, it grows yep. almost yep. in importance in your life and, and the ramifications can be terrible. Well, right. In, in your, like you, you wrote your book and tell us about your book, the name. Uh, the name is White Flag. And uh, that, that relates to three reasons why I named it White Flag. First of all, the, it was the only way that I found a bed for Cheryl during that really cold winter in Louisville was they, they had a white flag event, what they call it, where the weather is so inclement that they have to let people into the shelters, even if they don't have beds. And um, they, they did that and she did find a bed. Um, you know, the other thing is that people with substance use disorder need to raise their own white flag and surrender that they need help. And if they don't do that, you can't do that for them. You can't. And that was the other part of this is my own white flag of that. I, you know, what you can and can't do yeah, and are able to do. And you can, you can also offer a white flag. Yep. Yeah. You know, That's right. To did. Yeah. And how did you find out about the sexual abuse? Did Cheryl finally tell you about that? I found out um, definitely from her father in talking okay. to him about everything. And he let me know about it. And, and that uh, my sister actually had this um, um, husband at the time arrested for it, okay. so, which I never knew. <laughs> never knew that. So it was verified. It was something like, you know, in the wind, like maybe this happened. You know, I'm not sure. Cheryl would never talk about it. Right. Um, and so that's, that was the only way I really verified it. Understood. When did you write your book? White flag. I, um, wrote it in between, uh, 2017 and, uh, it just came out in October. So oh. it took me three years, about three years. Okay. And was right. it Cheryl's overdose that prompted you to write it? It was, it was, I had all the same questions that everybody has, you know, why did this start? Why couldn't she stop? You know, why did so-and-so's son or daughter be able to stop and Cheryl couldn't? I know she wanted to. What happened? And that led me to a lot of research and reading and understanding about brain chemistry, epigenetics, 
um, in transgenerational trauma and dual diagnosis of, you know, uh, depression not being treated. Yeah. And you, you bring up a point that I have said many, many times on the podcast in terms of brain chemistry, and that is that when someone starts on these drugs, they're basically playing Russian roulette. And I may be able to try a heavy-duty drug and go, yeah, I didn't really like it that much and not do it again. And someone else um, does it and thinks it's the best thing ever, and they're off right. down the road of addiction. And it, right. it's Russian roulette. You're, it's, it really is a game of chance as to whether or not you become addicted and how badly you become addicted and what happens after that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's, I have friends who are, you know, recovered, recovering alcoholics, and they'll say, you know, it's great, you can go have a glass of wine. But if I go into that bar, I'm going to close the bar. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. And that it's, yeah, it's different for everyone. It is. It, it definitely and the, is. And the brain chemistry, you know, the, the uh, metaphor that, that spoke to me when I was doing some reading is that you're careening down a hill, uh, you know, aimed to go off a cliff and you keep putting your foot on the brake, but the brake doesn't work. And that's the brain chemistry that doesn't allow you that to, to stop. Yep. Yeah, because, uh, and this is something I think a lot of people don't understand is that um, drug addiction and alcohol addiction Yes, it's emotional and mental. And so you can kind of from that viewpoint, just go, okay, well, then they should just be able to get their act together and stop. But it's also physical. And that's where I think a lot of people don't understand it, because I can have a glass of wine, you can have a glass of wine. And physically, we don't feel like we need to finish the bottle. Right. But if you're, a, if you're an alcoholic, or if you're an addict, you do, and you need to get the next fix, and you need to continue to drink, or you need to continue to use. And um, yeah, there's. We always say that addiction is physical, mental, and spiritual, all three. And when you get into treatment, you have to address all three. Right, right. And that's why I think it's it's great that there's more access to like medically assisted treatment. You know, suboxone and uh, buprenorphine and um, methadone. Those those avenues too. Yep. That, that addresses that piece of it. Yeah. And if you, like, if you had one piece of wisdom that you learned from writing your book that you would want to share with others who have a loved one who's addicted, what, what would that be? What would you tell them to do? I would tell them to treat them like you would treat somebody who had diabetes, that it's, they need treatment, that you still love them. They're still the same person. They're, they're no different than they were. They just have a, a problem. They have an issue that needs to be addressed and they may or may not address it. And that's not up to you. What's up to you is to be there and let them know that you love them, that you will help them, you know, go towards recovery if they want to, but to be there anyway and keep them alive. Yep. And in the same way that you would not let someone in your family with diabetes go untreated, same thing, basically. If you've got sure. someone in your family that is is has you know is abusing substances, then you need to it needs to be treated. Mm -hmm. So your book White Flag available on Amazon, and I'm yep. assuming other yep. places where sure. books anywhere are books sold. are sold. Awesome, Absolutely. awesome. Thank you for talking to us today. Oh, I, sure. I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Um, you your family has had more than its share. You now can need to go forward and. Have nothing but good things happen well, to your you. family. <laughs> thank you. That's very sweet of you. Thank yes, absolutely. You. Thanks what, for having me. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. 
Welcome to 2023. Let's make this year that you or your loved one becomes clean and sober. If there's anything we can do to help you, please reach out. The Addiction Podcast at yahoo.com. We'll be back again next week with another interview. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.